everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk About Brand. I, of course, am your host, Christine Gritman. Welcome to those of you listening to Let's Talk About Brand, the podcast coming at you every single Monday on the Adweek Podcast Network. Or perhaps you're here with us on YouTube. I drop the video of Let's Talk About Brand every single Friday right here on my YouTube channel. But in between, I want to hear from you. Join me on Twitter every single Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern for Chat About Brand. On Chat About Brand, we discuss the same topic as that week's podcast guest expert, but this time you get to weigh in. And this week's topic is all about offerings. Presumably, your personal brand or your brand brand is supporting an actual business. And that business has offerings, whether it be products or, as we'll mostly talk about today, services. So what are those offerings? How do you make sure that they are supporting your brand? And how do you make sure that your brand is supporting them? How do you put together an offer that gets you where you need to go, that solidifies you as what you want to be solidified as, and that actually sells. Today, we're going to be talking with sales and marketing coach Janine Coombs, who specializes in offerings. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I myself actually hired Janine to help me figure out mine because sometimes you just need help detangling. You're too close to it a lot of the time. You're too close to what you're trying to get out there. And Janine helps you make it clear, helps you make it strong and actionable, and above all, helps you make your offerings something that you can actually sell. So without any further ado, let's bring on Janine. Hello, Janine. <laughs> Hello. Oh, the applause is a little earlier. Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. You deserve extra applause, so I'll give you some real applause there <laughs> from my own hands. All right, Janine, you have a very interesting specialty. So I would love to hear, first of all, how you got started really specializing in helping people put together their offerings and what that even means for those to whom we're speaking another marketing language here. Yes. Oh, how to make it a short and snappy story. I think my speciality came from my history of building my own business. And it took me quite a while to really find my feet with my own business. And one of the things I missed was actually putting together something to offer people. Like you said in the intro, it's so important for you actually to have something solid to sell, that you're clear on who you're targeting, that you know what problems you're solving, you know what the price is, all of that. And when I look back at the first few years of running my business, it was that that I really didn't have any clarity on. And when I realized what a big piece of the puzzle that was, that made me passionate about helping other people get that piece of the puzzle right in their business. Because what I was seeing a lot of was small business owners and personal brand owners trying to be visible and trying to create content and trying to be out there but when you're not clear on who you're talking to and what problems they have, 
that job is really, really hard. And ironically, I started off my career in corporate and that's actually what I was doing. By the time I finished corporate, I was actually a propositions manager putting to, together service offers. So I feel like I've come full circle in many cases, in many respects. And I totally hear you, especially on the visibility, but yeah, what are you going to do with it? That's something that I certainly personally deal with a lot and that I help people deal with a lot because, okay, great. We're putting together this lovely brand to put out there. People know who you are. They care who you are. They're following you. They're listening to you. How do you bring that back to you? How do you benefit from that? And that's where your offerings come in, but people get, get, there's a disconnect there and there's a disconnect between visibility and a successful business. They're not the same thing. They just help each other out. So where is some place that people tend to go wrong? Because clearly there's a pain point there that you're addressing. So where are some, what are some things that really trip people up when it comes to pulling together a solid offering? Ooh, ooh, where to start? So a big one is not getting clear on who you're targeting. So a lot of people call it niching. I try not to use the word niching because I don't think we all have the same definition of what niching is. What we're saying is just be clear on who you want your offer to help. And I think you can have an audience for your whole business, which can be reasonably broad, but your audience or your target market for your offer, that does have to be very well defined. Where are they now? What are they dealing with now? How are they feeling now? How do they want to feel? What problems do they want to resolve? Getting clear on that really really helps it's essential really that would that would be my number one top tip and that ties really well also into how it connects to brand because you know your niche and who you help and how and all of that that's part of the brand but in the case of both brands and offerings a lot of people really do try to go too broad i feel like they feel like they're not covering all bases, talking to all people, capable of doing all things, they feel like they're going to miss opportunities when, of course, it's it's the opposite. So can you speak a bit to the importance of having that niche and that type of clarity and, and why it doesn't cut you off from potential things? Mm. I can answer that with a really nice example that a friend of mine a while ago, she was a trained lawyer but she ended up being in the HR departments because she really loved the training aspect of things. So she actually moved into HR and training and eventually she decided to go out on her own and set up a training business. And we were talking and I was giving her some advice over a cup of coffee. And she said, I don't want to cut down on my opportunities. So I'm not just going to target law firms. I'm going to target like all local businesses. And it was, it's such an interesting conversation, such a perfect example because Anybody watching this or listening to this right now can hear that it would be far better for her to target her training services at law firms because she's a trained lawyer and her experience is in law training. And that's a really nice specific offer that she could put together. Plenty of law firms in the UK. She would have no problem with that at all. But her instinct was, gosh, I don't want to cut off my opportunities. I better go broad. But why would a construction firm hire her? What, what's the in? What's the story? What's the what's why would she have expertise in that area? It doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. What what makes you different? What makes you unique is what makes you valuable. And it goes back to that very human tendency to to want to fit in. You know, to mm. not want to stand out necessarily. And and that's honestly, that's why people would hire you. That's why the right people 
would hire you. And the right people are another really, really big part of this. As you spoke to that a bit when we were talking about the niche, but I, I want to get into a little bit more how you said a key part of what you do with people is help them figure out what do they need? What are their pain points? How are they currently solving them or not solving them? And and one place that, that I feel can be a bit of a question mark for people, and I don't know if you've seen this as well, is sometimes people don't know how to get that information or they're, or they're working on assumptions based on themselves. So how do you help people really get a clear picture on that? Mm, that's a really good one. And you mentioned just at the end there, you've mentioned sometimes a lot of people are helping themselves a couple of years ago. And it's easy to think, oh, I can just use myself as an example. But it is really important to go out and do some research. And I'm not talking anything too onerous. I'm not talking about anything too onerous. I'm just talking about getting a few people who look like your ideal client on a Zoom with permission record the conversation and ask them some really open-ended questions. Things like, things as simple as, how's it going for you at the moment? What problems have you got at the moment? What are you struggling with? What do you want to achieve? And just gently, with permission, go a bit deeper and say, oh, okay, so you're having a problem with that. What's that stopping you from doing? And you'll soon find that the deeper motivations are far more compelling and far more niche far more specific than anything you could come up with on your own. And sometimes that's when the targeting or the niching sort of reveals itself. It's like, oh, okay. So I used this example in a, in a blog I wrote recently about if you were a nutritionist helping people lose like a significant amount of weight, you could have, you could have exactly the same service, but you could position it for parents versus people with chronic back pain. There's there's two very different motivations underlying the reason why they would want to lose weight. But, you know, initially appealing to everyone will be very, very hard to cut through, and make a splash. So I think we've already gotten to part of this answer here, which is specificity. But when clients have this idea in their head starting out of what they want to offer. This is what I want to do for people. This is what I want to sell. And then they dig into that research and they find out that what people need is actually different and they're offering kind of shifts. What are some commonalities in what that shift tends to entail? Specificity appears to be one of them, but, but are there any other common factors you tend to see in what people often learn? Oh, yes. So you're touching on a really good point there where our urge is often to sell what people need. I want to help people with this. I know how how important this thing is and they need to do this and they need to do this. Oh gosh, I've done it myself as well. I'm not judging people. Um, whereas we should always be looking to see what they want. I am a I'm fully encouraging of people to sell what they actually want to deliver. I think that's got to, it's got to be both sides of the coin. It's got to be what people want, but it's also got to be what you enjoy delivering. But I think instead of changing the offering, it's more about articulating the offering in the words of your ideal client. So it goes back to the research, making sure you've got, you've done your research and worked out what people actually say they want. So you can actually, usually in 99% of situations, you can sell what you want, what you wanted to sell all along, but you present it as what the client wants. I'm trying to think of a different example than I've already used. 
It could be like gardening services and what they actually want is to be able to enjoy their garden on a sunny day with family and have a beautiful place to host their family. So that could be the ultimate goal. So they could paint that picture as that's the outcome of our work together. But actually what you know they need is to carve out some time to put the put the legwork in, buy some, buy some plants, get a design, get a, a full-on landscape design for them, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just making up now. <laughs> it's It sounds like what you're saying is that you're selling the end result because that's ultimately what people want to buy. They want to buy the end results and the end result is not the process that you are delivering. The end mm. result is what they're glomming onto and what you are delivering is the process to get to that end result, but that's not what you have to sell. Is that is that a good way of phrasing it? Oh, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. And I think... It, it, just in case we're in danger of not touching on this, pricing is always better done based on the value. So many people, it's so tempting to say, okay, it's X dollars, X pounds per session or per hour or per day rate. And actually that misses the point. You're putting the price based on the transformation, based on the result, that is the value. So if you can get into the habit of saying, okay, what's what's that value worth to people and putting the price based on that, then that is the way to do the pricing. And it's a big part of the offer. It's one of my passions is talking about pricing and the price is actually part of the value of the offer, believe it or not. Yeah. My- oh, we should dig into that then. Absolutely. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today because one one thing that people really struggle with and I struggle with it myself. So years ago, I abandoned any sort of hourly pricing because I do mm. understand that it's about delivering the value to them. You're not trading. You're, they're not buying your time. They're buying mm. your expertise. And, and someone who's good at something might take a lot less time than, mm. than someone who's fumbling and figuring things out. But this brings to, this brings us to kind of a, a a pet obsession of mine, which is the idea that it's it's a relative of imposter syndrome, but it's not quite the same thing. But the idea that something that comes easily to us, we in our heads often automatically assign less value to because we think it's easy. We don't realize that it's only easy for us because we're good at it. So how do you help people figure out what the actual value to the other person is because I, I imagine a lot of people you work maybe you work with some people who think that their skills are worth way more 
than they are. I'm sure you've encountered those people as well, but I'd imagine the more common issue is people devaluing their skills. So how do you help people figure out the actual value to the other person, not, not the value we ourselves think it holds? Mm. Actually, I don't think I've come across a single person who's told me a price and I thought, you shouldn't be charging that. It's always the other way. It's either, yeah, that's fair enough. That's a lot, but it's worth it. Or it's it's underneath and I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging them to raise their prices. But I've got a whole toolkit of ways to get around this because I've heard it all. <laughs> like the imposter syndrome, click in. Oh, who am I to charge that? All of, all of it. So one of the things I do is when I'm working with a client on their offerings and we get clear on the target audience and we get clear on the work they want and we dig into the research, they get a sense of how important this problem is to be solved. So there's, they already get a sense of the value that they're delivering. And then we break down actually how they're going to deliver it and what they're drawing on their years of experience possibly money paid on training, education. They're strong, training. brilliant, recognizable, personal brand. I mean, that's part oh, of the value oh. too, right? <laughs> oh, hello. The, the personal brand is such a big part of it, but you're right, because the more famous you are, the more in demand you will be. And therefore the demand is of, of availability of yours will be lower and therefore you're worth more because people will be vying for your time. So the personal brand is a big um, element of the pricing decision for sure. But one client I worked with recently, I was able to spin it around and, and she had a really easy to work out value on her service that she hadn't done before. She helps people fill their holiday cottage lets and an average client in any one week would be charging or, or receiving four and a half thousand pounds revenue for a week. And if they don't get a booking for that week, or if somebody pulls out last minute for that week, they've lost four and a half thousand pounds. So her offer helps them fill late vacancies. So just one week would be worth four and a half thousand. And she wanted to charge near under a thousand pounds for that offer. But not only would they be able to fill that week, it would could be several weeks during the year, and then times that by 10, 20 years, the, the total revenue that they would get, incremental revenue or additional revenue as a benefit from her service, it would be thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of pounds. And she only wanted to charge a very small amount. So immediately I could say, you know, what do you think is reasonable now, bearing in mind the big numbers that we're talking about, that is going to be a benefit of your service. So sometimes you can act, attack it from quite a logical perspective. You know, this brings up an interesting question, which is if someone works with different levels of businesses, like like I myself, I'm working with bigger businesses now, but for a while I was working with very small businesses. Do you recommend having different pricing tiers depending on the client type? It makes sense. Most of my clients in that situation would have different pricing and I, I can almost sense them thinking, oh, but... I'm doing the same thing. It's the same process. I'm not spending any extra time on the bigger corporates. Should I really charge more? And the answer is yes, because the benefit to the bigger corporates is bigger. Their bottom line is bigger. They're, they're talking bigger volumes, bigger sales volumes, bigger client numbers. Everything's bigger. The stakes are higher. In theory, the stress on you might be higher. The pressure on you to deliver might be higher. But even if you're doing exactly the same thing, 
you should in theory be charging more because the value you're delivering is higher. And that's another good reason not to not to just put public prices out there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here here's really the 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 crucial question here. As you mentioned before, you know, if you're famous, if you're known, in theory, you know, you can charge more because there's more demand on your time and your expertise. But that's not always the case. A lot of times people can get the visibility but they suck at selling. We we've we've all seen people who seem like they're killing it and they're very they seem very successful and then they're not actually making any money. I have been this person. So, <laughs> how do you help people with the actual selling part and what are what are some key commonalities of offers that actually sell? What are people getting wrong there? What's the the what are some of the main disconnects that that you can fix when it comes to making sure the offers can actually get sold? Yes, they really need to go hand in hand, don't they? You can spend a lot of time building up your personal brand. And then if you don't have a, a juicy offer to actually put out there, that does become a bit of a hiccup. What's my best tip on this that I haven't already mentioned? First of all, making sure that in amongst all your communications you're putting out there, you are putting up sales messages. Second of all, I would really recommend if you're a newer business owner, or even if you're not, even if you're a few years in and you just want to make sure that you've got some really good revenue for the next few months and years, prioritizing higher ticket, lower volume stuff, if you feel like you just need some more money coming in. So that's not getting seduced by putting low priced courses out before you've got a really big audience who were begging for you to put courses out. A lot of it goes back to the the market research and making sure that you're picking out and being really specific about the one thing. So I suppose that's the next level of tip I can give you at this point is when you're doing all the market research, what's what's the biggest thing? So you might come out with several themes from the people you speak to. What's the biggest thing? What's the most valuable problem that they're dealing with? It's always easier to sell on one thing and say, okay, this is what you're trying to get to. I can help you with this. Um, hanging your hat on one thing. So I, I once heard this phrase, one person, one problem, one solution. Just try and be really specific, not only on who you're targeting, but the problem you're solving, making sure that there might be several benefits to your offer, but what's the biggest thing that you can hang your hat on and say, okay, this is how I'm positioning this offer and then be consistent with that. And another thing while I'm at it, which has just cropped up, which links into the personal brand thing is sometimes when we trying to sell something, but we don't hundred percent believe in it, that is a mental block and, and people can sense that you won't ch turn up, you won't mention the offer as much, you, you'll, the hesitancy you'll have will show through. So that goes for the pricing. I would never recommend people price beyond their confidence level. Start where you're comfortable and then build up, but also elements of your product and how or offer and how you are, how you're delivering it. Don't try and do things that you've seen other people do and then you think, oh, I probably should do it like that. Do it how you want to do it. Treat people how you want to be treated and don't use any sales techniques that you don't like to be on the receiving end of. Yeah, that does speak perfectly into, into the, perfect, to the personal brand element because I always tell people, don't, don't be what you think you're supposed to be. Yeah. Be what you are <laughs> and yeah. just be that to 11. Yeah. Um, 
All right. One other thing that I just want to tie this into to brand again, and which is, of course, as, as you said, your offering needs to come from the audience in a sense. Who are you serving and what do they need? How are they phrasing their problem? How are they looking for a solution? What do they need? Since your offer is about them and from them, how do you put your own stamp on it so that your offer doesn't sound exactly like the offers of everyone else who's trying to serve that audience? Does that question make any sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so there's two things I'd mention here. First of all is tone of voice, which is a real personal brand thread, as it were. How do you articulate yourself? What what calling card phrases do you use? All of that jazz. So making sure that that's all through your offer copy, your sales copy and all of that. The other thing I would say is you can have some real fun when putting together the pathway, putting together your solution. It might not be a pathway. It might be, okay, the result I'm going to give you is this. And then these are my themes. These are the ethos of how I deliver my offer to you or deliver my service. And then elements of those you can actually brandify. You can call it unique names. You can call it on brand names. You can have fun with the phrasing of it. So I'm trying to think of an example. So if you were, I'm going back to the nutritionist idea again, instead of saying your weekly meal planner, you could call it like a tasty in 10 meal plan. <laughs> I've gone back to meal plan, but hopefully you can see, you can have, you can have some, have some fun with the naming and make it fit with your brand. So if you're, there was one woman, she's changed it since, but her brand used to be all themed around sweets. So you can imagine in her services, everything was related to sweets, lollipops, sugar, that kind of thing, chocolate. So it all had a theme to it. Does that make sense? It does. And I know exactly who you're talking about with the sweets too. <laughs> She's changed it now. I think it makes sense what she's done, but it used to be sweets, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But that's some great branding right there because I knew who you were talking about and, and we still know who the heck she is and what she's doing. We followed her on that brand journey. All right. So thank you so much, Janine. This has been incredible. You've already helped me so much over the years and I love that you've been able to offer some help to the Let's Talk About Brand community here as well. So tell everyone where they can find you, why they should find you and what they'll find there. Yes, everybody do come and connect with me on LinkedIn. That's my favorite platform. You can have a look at my own offers and my website at janinecoombs.co.uk. And there is a blog that if you don't mind me sharing, Christine, that talks touches on a lot of the themes we've talked about today. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Janine. Always lovely to see you and always lovely to have a chance to talk to you, my fabulous audience. So if you joined us on the podcast, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player of choice to Let's Talk About Brand on the Adweek Podcast Network. If you're joining us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe here as well, my Christine Gritman Inc. YouTube channel. And join us every Tuesday on Twitter. I'm C. Gritman on Twitter. So you can join us for Chat About Brand on Tuesdays and we can hear your take on the topic of the week. Don't forget to join us next week when I'll be back with another guest expert talking about another element of branding. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk About Brand, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Christine Gritman, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Christine Gritman. 
You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.